Welcome to the Relaxed Running Podcast, the show that helps runners and athletes in running-based sports transform the way they run. Here's your host, Tyson Popplestone. Ladies and gents, welcome back to the Relaxed Running Podcast. Tyson Popplestone here, coming at you back from Point Lonsdale in Victoria, Australia. We got back last Friday. Man, have I... Before we get into running, in case you don't know, don't travel with a toddler. Not 15 hours. We had we had the option to pay full price for him to get his own seat or like $300 for him just to sleep on our lap. And we thought, hey, sleeping on our lap's fine. It's only 15 hours. I, I just don't do it. We almost got divorced four times. It was, it was a, a tough trip, but we're back. We're finding our feet. I actually, I didn't struggle too badly with jet lag coming back. My little man's in all sorts, but... Man, it's good to be back. It was, uh, I don't think I've spoken to you guys since then, but the, the last week we went up to Eugene to, we were just going through the town. I'm a big Steve Prefontaine fan. I wanted to watch the World Champs while we were there, but uh, the the evening session started at around the same time that my little man's bedtime was. So we sort of just, we passed through. I, I caught up with some of the Aussie team. I saw Benny Buckingham and, and Matt Ramston before their race, and it was really cool just to, to get a bit of an idea of, of what's going on on in those big villages, it was a really cool vibe. But as I said, so good to be back. It's uh, nice to get back into a bit of a routine over here, get into some running, back on the old trails. Um, today, I wanted to do something slightly different because for those of you who have been listening here for a while, you know that uh, one of my big focuses at Relax Running is is working one on one with athletes who are trying to improve their distance running. I coach maximum of, of 20 athletes and and before um we actually decide whether we're a good fit for each other but before they decide whether i'm a good coach for them or i decide if it's the kind of athlete i want to work with based on consistency and based on their you know just sort of what they've they've put down in the past not in terms of time but just in terms of i don't like working with athletes who are, who are really hit and miss and they train one week and don't train the next so we have a little bit of a sounding board session on zoom and I've noticed uh, quite a number of the same questions come up, and I thought it's probably it's probably worth doing a, a podcast specifically on this because obviously a lot of this podcast is me interviewing you know other athletes and athletes in uh, or, or those sort of surrounding the athletes, whether it's exercise physiologists or podiatrists and physios and nutritionists and all the other good stuff that goes with running. But on here, I'm I share my opinions fairly regularly, but uh, but a lot of the time I hope to think I'm, I'm asking more questions. But, uh, but, but a number of questions come up in these Zoom calls that I think are really relevant when you're deciding whether or not you want to work with someone as a coach or um, uh, for you guys, maybe you're just interested in learning a little more about my background, where my passion for this podcast and stuff came from. So uh, whether you're one of those athletes who are, who are considering giving me a bell and organizing a Zoom call so you and I can potentially work together or you've just been listening to the podcast for a while you want to know a bit more about my background, I thought I would just do a little bit of a foundation episode today and answer some of the questions which have come up through these phone calls. So I've written down, I've written, not all of them have come up a number of times. Some of them I, I just thought were interesting. Um, so I thought I would answer these ones and, and let you guys know a little bit about my history. But uh, with that said, I've written down about uh, 10 of these questions, some of them around training philosophies, training ideas, um, others around gear, but but you'll, you'll uh, hear those as we go. The first one, which is almost a 100% strike rate when it comes to the coaching calls, is, is how did I get involved in running? My, my story into the world of running started in about 
1999. I was a, I, I'm clearly, I reckon I must have been OCD. I just got obsessed with exercise. It definitely wasn't healthy, <laughs> but I was, hey, um, uh, I was a footballer until that point, a pretty good little junior footballer, and I'd always been a strong runner on the field. And when it came to the training sessions, I was always pretty, I was always pretty close to the front. Like there was usually one or two boys ahead of me, or you know, were running shoulder to shoulder. But then. In about the year 2000, it coincided with me just getting obsessed with fitness and nutrition and stuff for whatever reason. But then I also realized a number of the guys that I was playing footy against got really big. And I thought, you know what, if they tackle me, this is going to hurt a lot. So I started just gradually just transitioning my attention from the world of football to the world of running. And uh, I mean, I was doing a lot of it. And then I was living in Western Australia at the time. And I remember in the year 2000, early 2000, I think it was, we had the state under 14 championship. So I went in there as one of the young guys, just having no idea uh, who I was up against. I saw some people that I knew were pretty fast runners. There was a, there must have been like, you know, I can't remember 100%, but there was like maybe 60 or between 60 and 100 runners. Like it was a decent field. And I thought, okay, well, I'll just, I'll go out and I'll just try and run with these guys for as long as I can. And before I knew it, most of the field had dropped off the back and it was me and about 10 athletes. And then it was me and about six athletes and then it was me and another guy and then I ran past my mum she goes Tyus he's hurting because mum was a passionate a passionate fan of the running she goes put in a surge mate so I put in a surge and, and then it was me so it was like a I think it was a three and a half k cross country race or a three k cross country race and that last kilometer I sort of ran away and I remember running around going man I'm I'm really quite good at this this is this is a real surprise and I crossed the line I was excited and I think my mum was even more excited and uh and from that point, I was like, okay, well, I don't know whether I was consciously thinking this, but I realized I was better at it than what I realized because these were the, the best in the state that I was living in. And as a result, I qualified for nationals that year and came back over to Victoria to compete at Yarra Bend for the 2000 under 14 national champs. And I, came, I ended up coming 14th at that one, which I was really disappointed with because I thought uh, you know, winning the state champs in WA just meant that you win the national champs <laughs> so um you know but but once that race was done and i had some time to think about it i was like all right well this is something i, I definitely enjoy uh, it's something i'm definitely good at and from there i just gradually fell in love with the sport i started to learn more about athletes and um, i discovered steve prefontaine really early and watched a couple of his documentaries without limits and fire on the track and and from that point i don't know how i thought this this is always a sign as a teenager that you've uh, you've chosen an interesting path because in my eyes like Kenyan distance runners were the coolest people on the planet I had no interest in in, in like your NBA players or your AFL stars I was just I just wanted to be skinny and fast <laughs> if you could do those two things um, even if you weren't skinny if you were fast I was a I was a fan of yours so that's why I like Chris Selinski because he was a big guy a little bit more set like me um, but that was that was kind of my entry into the world of running and then just uh, from yeah 1999 to 2022 it's it's played almost a daily part in my life i finished up in 2013 but even since then i, I still had a fairly significant part and i was following it closely and there's athletes that i used to train with who were a bit younger like Stu mcswain uh you know who i was just curious to find out how their careers would go and as a result you know people like him you can't help but pay attention to the track scene so that was my entry um and a little bit of my my history throughout the world of distance running um all right my favorite races of my career. So some of the highlights, uh, I had a couple of really, really awesome experiences. I think one of the one of the big ones was they have a race each year called the Bay Sheffield. It's a, a professional mile race, which just means 
Um, actually, what does that mean? I think it just means you get paid if you win. I'm pretty sure that's what it means. But it was a handicapped race, and it's quite prestigious there in South Australia. Uh, it, you get about two and a half thousand people circling this this really tight grass track. And I remember at the start line of this race, they had me on a handicap of uh, of ten meters, and I'd run some pretty fast times in the lead up to that. And the race starter, about 15 minutes before the race, said, Tice, we're going to pull you back five metres because we've just had a look at the handicaps and we don't think they're fair. And as as he said that, I remember my coach, I think he was my coach at the time, or it was around about then, it was either Rod Griffin or Adam Diddick, he, uh, he told me that only a couple of people have ever, ever run the race off scratch or won the race off scratch. And I thought, well, if I'm off five metres... I may as well be, I was fairly confident with my um, my form at the time. I knew I was running well. So I said to the guys like, mate, just chuck me off scratch. Put me right at the back. And as a result, I remember all my friends and family were down there and uh, with about a lap and a half to go, I was right in the mix. The crowd was going crazy, not just for me, but the, the atmosphere of the, the crowd was pretty impressive. So um, and then it was about 150 metres to go. My mum my and all my, my wife, or my fiancé at the time, she was just my girlfriend at the time, actually. You don't care about that. It's too many details. They were all standing up on the home straight, and I gave him a big point because I'd been watching Craig Mottram beat uh, Kenanisha Bakili at the World Cup the year before. And uh, I got fined $50 for celebrating too early, but it was, it, was, <laughs> it was the best $50 I ever spent. The other one was the 2011 Melbourne Marathon 10K, which I went into with, there's a bloke called Ben Ashkettle at, at the start line, and his PB was so much quicker than me over 10K. And I didn't really know what form I was in over that distance, but I, there must have been, I don't think I'm exaggerating, I think there was like five to 10,000 people in this race, and I thought, you know, I should finish in the top few if I run well. And I remember getting out there and and, and just sitting with um, Ben Ashkettle and going, man, I can't, I'm actually feeling quite good. And then uh, I just kept having that conversation and kept trying to psych myself into it and, you know, not psych myself out of being able to keep up with him. And then I was a, I was a kicker. I was, I was faster at the end. So I, with about 150 metres to go, poor Ben Ashkettle, I sprinted past him and, and won that one. So that was, a, that was a huge race. It was just a, a really cool experience to win a big city marathon like that, um, you know, big city in Australia. And then uh, the other one I had, well, just I had the experience to go to the World University Cross Country Champs in 2010. Uh, to give you an idea of some of the people we're running with, we, we just saw just uh, Stenson, or Jess, formerly Jess Trengove, win the win the Commonwealth Games marathon. She was on that trip, and then Liam Adams, who finished fourth in the recent Com Games, uh, was was there as well. And it was just rubbing shoulders with some really cool athletes, and it was just a great experience. It was a, my first time as a, an international runner, my first time putting on the the green and gold, my only time putting on the green and gold, as it turned out. Uh, but to but to rub shoulders with some of those people and and get a little taste of what it was like to compete at an international level was a, a really big highlight there were there were lots of other ones along the way like i won the state mile champs in 2011 here in victoria as well uh, so there's lots of little highlights along the way but but i think it wasn't so much winning races as much as running pbs that was my favorite part uh, that was the third thing i would written down my pbs were my best distances so um I, this podcast has a real theme for sort of longer distance kind of athletes I think the the longer distance kind of athletes get a bit more of a rap here like your Liam Adams and your Jesses and things that the, the athletes that um I don't know I'm just really interested in in I'm interested in the middle distance as well but the athletes that I think get the most airtime are, are yeah real marathon runners so I love that now but at the time I was more of a, a 1500 meter to 5k man I think my my best event was the 3k so 
My PB for the 1500 was 349. My PB for 3K was 8 minutes 10. And my PB for 5K was 14.24, I think. That was a funny one as well. I think that that's a PB that I'm, I mean, it, it sounds good now that I'm not running that fast, but at the time I, I was fairly confident I could break 14 um, if I had a really good day, but I never, I never really raced it. And I don't, I don't ever feel like I completely nailed the 5K, but um, that there are a couple. My, my 10K PB I ran on the road as well. I think I ran 30.50 in that race I just told you about that I run, uh, that I won. And again, it was one that I never ventured too far into. I would like to think I would have broke 30 if I, had a really good run, but um, hey, that's uh, something we're never going to know. Uh, why did I finish up running? So I finished running competitive, competitively in 2013, I think it was, and there's a couple of reasons here. One of the big reasons was I was struggling big time with, with health issues. So I had chronic sinusitis. I could never figure out what it was. You might have heard me say that I had two sinus surgeries in the past, and uh I just kept getting sinus inflammation. And you know that feeling you get when you're, you're almost about to get sick and you feel feverish and you're a bit sweaty and you're just tired. And I was like that for what felt like a, a year straight pretty much. And it turned out I had allergies to dairy and I was smashing milk like a champion. Uh, so I was just having way too much of that. So after a couple of years of just frustration and, and not even just not making improvements, but almost feeling as though I was going backwards in my performance and just being at a loss as to... To what it was i decided to to hang up the spike so to speak and uh, at the time a couple of the a couple of the running boys were were being picked up for rookie drafts here in the afl so mark blitzarves who's gone on to play however many games for geelong he's been around for a decade now in geelong and then i think it was johnny rayner was another guy who's an 800 meter runner i might have mucked up his name but he had a chance to uh, go and play for for the bombers and I, I had a history in football, so my, my background was footballer. I think I was a better footballer than I was a runner. And I ended up having a couple of meetings. I, I got to meet with the Melbourne Footy Club here, which was a, a you know, a, they won the premiership last year. Like they were, they were struggling at the time I went to meet them, but they were looking at a lot of elite level draft picks. So I remember for you AFL fans uh, in Australia or, or abroad, I remember I, I wrote a letter to every AFL club and just told them about some of my PBs and my background in footy. And uh, I was sitting in my lounge room with, with my best mate, Jocker, one day, and I, I got a text message, and it was the head coach of the Melbourne Footy Club saying, Tyce, I got your letter. I'm interested, mate. I'm about to go away for a week, but when I get back, I'll call you in, and uh, and you know I'll meet with you and Todd Viney and a couple of the other recruiting coaches. So I had a, I had a, I don't know how realistic my chance was to actually play AFL, but uh, I had a chance to meet with them, and I also had a chance to go and meet with the Fremantle Footy Club, but I was 27 at the time, so... I think when they found that out, they realised I was a bit old to, to maybe get a chance, give a chance to, because they're, they're looking more at like your 18, 19, sort of 20-year-olds. Uh, but it was cool. I, uh, from there, I went down to the Box Hill Hawks and did a pre-season with them. And, and then uh, by the end of that pre-season, I was like, all right, well, I was really shooting for the stars. I wanted to play AFL, and I, I knew I had my, my, my work cut out. I couldn't see how at the age of 27, after being turned down from that initial initial conversation how they were going to change their mind but that was essentially why I retired health issues and then the opportunity to potentially get a crack at, at AFL which didn't quite eventuate but it's a cool story to be able to tell you guys now um, 
Oh, this is an interesting one. Uh, and this actually comes up quite a lot with, with the coaching calls as well that I do, is people dealing with boredom on runs. They ask me, like, what do I like to do when I'm on a run? And I have a weird, uh, a weird relationship with running. Sometimes I use it as a chance just to go and enjoy some peace and quiet. I've got a two-year-old here. Um, you know, my house is energetic and it's always quite on. And between you know, recording podcasts with people and uh, speaking to my athletes, I, I spend a lot of the day, I think, chatting with people a lot of a lot of days it's not every day but on those days i I usually like just to leave the headphones at home and and get out for a run and just enjoy the the sound of my footsteps but also i i got given these um these guys were a sponsor uh they're called earshots earshots were a sponsor of the podcast for a few episodes and they've got those wireless those wireless headphones so they're really easy to run in every now and then i'll I'll whack those in and uh i'm a big podcast fan i'm a big music fan so i might listen to um Man, there's so many different things. Prager University have these five-minute video clips that they're on YouTube, but they also do them as a, a podcast clip. So I try and listen to one of those each day. I find them super interesting. And then Prager U, they also have this thing called Book Club, which I'm getting into, just really smart people talking about books. Um, so essentially in those moments, I'm just trying to trying to hang out with people who are way smarter than me and, and learn a bit, little bit from them. But then like every other uh, you know, 35-year-old in the world, I'm a big fan of Joe Rogan and, and what he brings to the table. So I like to do that. I'm also a big fan of audio books. I'm listening to a great one at the moment if you're interested called Essentialism. So it's all about you know, eliminating the excess from your calendar and your life so you can focus on what's really essential. So I think when it comes to working with athletes, they're my, they're my main priority. If, if you and I are working together, I want to make sure that you're doing everything you can and I'm doing everything I can to make sure you get to the start line fit and ready to go. So uh, if I can cut out anything else from my timetable so I can focus on that, that makes my life a, a lot easier. Um, the third one, I actually, uh, I haven't necessarily been asked this specifically, but I, I thought it might be interesting. Um, and, and that's just the question about why do I coach? And I, I think the main reason for why I uh, have stepped into the coaching world is, is just because there's so much that you learn in 22 years of sport that it makes you sound really switched on and smart when it comes to actually implementing that kind of thing. So uh, I just think for new runners, it's a, a real advantage to have someone around who's been doing it for 22 years. It doesn't matter what scene you're in, obviously. Like the people I do comedy with who have been doing it for 22 years are, are way better than me, um, most of them. And then, <laughs> and then it's the same. It's just the same in everything. So for me, I wanted to um, combine my love for running with. Uh, you know, just being able to keep a foot in the door and, and work with people. I love the project of watching an athlete develop as well. So a combination of all those factors, the love for the sport. Um, I'm a real social butterfly as well. I love that relationship that you get with your athletes. But then more so just that project of going, all right, where's our target race? What's your fitness level? How are you feeling? Let's plan you up so that when you get to that race, all going well, we can have a really good hit out. I just, I love that feeling. It's a, a real buzz for me. And now that I'm not so passionate about my own running performance anymore it's nice to be able to live vicariously one of the best things or one of my favorite feelings is when i know an athlete's had a race um i jump onto training peaks which is the the training platform that we use together the following day just to see how they go and then we organize a zoom call and and have a chat about where it went well where it went badly what can we learn Uh, because a lot of the time races are very nuanced as well and i think if you're new to the sport you can you can see it as very black and white like i ran well I ran badly. And I think one of the, the best things to do is to be able to go, okay, well, 
So you're saying you ran badly. What what do you mean by that? That's how the time was bad. Okay, okay, let's break this down a little bit. And I think just having someone, uh, you know, whether it's me or another coach, I used to love doing this with my coaches, someone who's not so emotionally connected to your result to be able to logically walk through that with you and go, all right, well, yeah, sure, look at the look at the first five Ks. We haven't ran that pace in any of our training. So did you really think that the last 16 Ks of your half marathon, you're going to be able to maintain that pace? They go, well, no, I didn't think of it like that. So there's just little things that you learn along the way, which if you've got someone who's been in it for a while can just save you all those, you know, I guess months or years of guesswork and, and just sort of cut straight through that. Um, a coaching philosophy is is an interesting one. I'm a huge fan of consistency. I think there's too many people in the running world who are desperate to get really fast really quickly and as a result, get really injured. <laughs> uh, I'm a huge fan of just laying a foundation, taking it slow, being a bit patient. You have to, you have, to have a little bit more of a patient approach if you wanna work with me, or you don't have to, but I think between us, uh, I, I like to try and refine off some of those edges of, of this belief that you have to do more and do it faster and then you have to build up your case constantly. No, I just wanna get a solid foundation of consistency because that's where strength comes in. If you can go six months or 12 months without missing too many beats in your training, like obviously you'll get little colds and flus along the way, but uh, you know, apart from the, the things that are inevitably gonna come up, we don't wanna see you getting a stress fracture or back injuries or anything else which is gonna put you on the sideline for a couple of months. So I guess in a nutshell, consistency is key. It's a catchphrase that's been around for a long time, but it's also a, a philosophy that I've stolen that I think is, is you know, a perfect fit. Um, what, why did I start relaxed running? Relaxed running is, it's probably the same reason I started coaching more specifically, though the coaching one-on-one -on -one came later. Uh, relaxed running, I like the name. I think too many people think of running as a really difficult, intense sport that uh, you're only really showing how hard you're running if you're all tense and tight. Nothing could be further from the truth. I think relaxed running, it's an idea of not just a technique thing, though it is a technique thing. People uh, who run the fastest times generally have a more smooth technique. They're using your, their energy efficiently. But relaxed running, I, I like the idea of a relaxed lifestyle and running to me is a part of that. So um, I guess within the umbrella of relaxed running, we're talking about, yeah, sure, technique, but we're also talking about mindset and attitudes towards life and attitudes towards training and goals. And um, I, I think there's a, a guy that I do yoga with online quite a lot, Travis Elliott. He says, hey, stop trying so hard. Try easy. And I thought that's a, it's a good point because I don't know if you're like me, sometimes you'll get into the mindset of like, all right, I'm just going to put all my energy in there. And before you know it, you're getting quite tense and uptight and stressed. But the same is true. If you just have clarity on what it is you're trying to achieve, you can come up with some practical steps as to how to get there. Then that mental stress, that emotion, that frustration that comes along with it is it's sort of superfluous. You don't necessarily need it. It doesn't really help you. It adds nothing. And people say, yeah, but I feel like I function better when I'm stressed. I, I always feel like that's a bit of a cop-out. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think it's a, a misunderstanding of the role that stress plays. I, I think just having clarity of a vision and having logical steps and some element of motivation is is enough. Yeah, some people, for sure, they use stress as motivation, but uh, I think it just drains energy. And in a sport like running, which requires your energy to be used well. I think relaxed running is a far more effective approach. In hindsight, what do I wish I did differently in my training? I think I wish, it's a good question. I, For me, I always say if I had my time again, I probably would have focused on AFL. That's not because I didn't love 
running. I probably love running. I love. I definitely love running more when I was in the middle of competing, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think for me, I probably would have put my energy towards AFL because I think my chances of performing at a higher level in, in footy was was probably higher. Uh, but also, if I was just to improve my running, I wish I had known about what was causing my health issues earlier. I also wish I didn't put so much stress on myself on, on certain races. I had a very, I'm a very competitive guy, especially when I, um, you know, I'm 100% committed to something. And as a result, I think sometimes I can lose the joy in the competition rather than, um, you know, just rocking up and remembering why it is that we're there and um, that I'm doing it because I love it. And, uh, you know, you don't have to be beating everyone all the time. Though it, though it, that is a nice little cherry on top. Um, so I think that would have been really good. Uh, I think I, I wish... 10 years ago, I had a, had more of an understanding about the importance of strength work and flexibility. I didn't really do a whole lot of that kind of stuff. Even technique work, I was aware of the importance of technique, but it wasn't something I focused on explicitly. So uh, I was pretty happy with my consistency and my, my ability to keep rocking up to training. That was always, my discipline was always a strong point. Um, but I think a couple of those little practical things like, yeah, technique and diet and strength would have allowed me to get a bit more out of myself but I also think that I think I tapped into my potential pretty well sure there was room for improvement in some areas um, yeah but for other areas it was yeah I, I really give myself a big tick of approval uh, what do I crave after I run I'm such a carb a carbs fiend I, I, I whenever I'm training hard I crave wheat bix I just I just love carbs <laughs> so that's pretty much it I'm whether I'm uh, whether I'm running or not I always love fruit but uh, you know, you've got to be careful with fruit when you're running because they're, they're pretty high in fructose and too much fructose can take you to the toilet pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, but carbs, 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 carbs is uh, for better or worse. I, I love those. The last one, why do I run? I feel like I'm, I maybe answered this one in one of my earlier points. I, I run for, for a whole heap of reasons. I run for fitness. I run for mental health. I run for peace and quiet. Um, I run to see places. I I just love the feeling. You know that feeling sometimes, and maybe you don't, maybe you're so new to running, you've never had this, but every now and then you just get into this flow state where you're not in your head and you just, you're just cruising along and everything's just clicking. You feel like you can run forever. It's just that there's no other higher like it. I do a number of different forms of training. I'm in the gym a few times a week. I'm also doing a bit of yoga. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to do a little bit of swimming, but for me, there's there's no higher like that running height. Just It feels fantastic. And uh I always feel like after a good hard running session that there's there's no better feeling than just being a little bit sore. My brother-in-law said, dude, like, why do you run so much? Don't you just want to sit on the couch? I'm like, yeah, but sitting on the couch is so much enjoyable after you've had a really hard session and you're a bit sore. I don't know, maybe that's weird, but I love that feeling of waking up the morning after a really hard run and being like, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm limping, my calves are tight, just because you, uh, I don't know, I just feel like it's a little gift to my body. So there's a whole heap of reasons as to why I run, but um, I just wanted to give you a bit more of an overview about who you're listening to every week. If you're considering getting some coaching with me, I hope that opens your eyes to a little bit of my philosophy. If you're if you're keen to uh, you know look at whether we are a good fit for each other, I've still got a few spaces left. I've got to max out at 20 athletes just for uh, that essentialism thing that I was telling you about before. I want to make sure that every one of my athletes get the time they deserve. And 20s, as far as I can tell, I reckon that would be about my threshold. So I've got a few spaces left. If you would like to jump on the Relax Running website, uh, shoot me an email. We can line up a Zoom call and uh, and have a bit of a chat about whether or not we'd be a good fit for each other. But um, before you go, also, there is, uh, for, for you footballers out there and for you field hockey players out there, 
the the AFL preseason running training plans, uh, they're going to be coming out in September. So the prices are going to be cheaper in September. So keep your eyes on that. Uh, and then as uh, October from March is the main preseason running plan. So if you're a footballer or you know someone in the football world and you think that running's a an element of their game that I'd like to improve, it's always nice to train under or alongside someone who's uh, who's fairly experienced in that. So um, the, the the AFL programs are awesome. They've got a great reputation. They're they're a really high quality program, and the field hockey is the same as well. We just we're doing our final uh, little adjustments on the field hockey training, and that will be available in October as well. So if you're a footballer, field hockey player, runner, or just someone looking to improve their technique, jump over to relaxrunning.com. And as always, get in touch if there's anything I can help out with. If you're enjoying the podcast, would so appreciate if you if you leave a five star review as well, a little comment. Um, it just helps the ranking of the podcast so so more eyes can see it. So I'd love to love to be able to reach more runners. So that's in your hands though. So I would really appreciate that. But guys, happy training. Um, I'm glad to be back in Australia. Looking forward to hopefully chatting with a couple of you about some potential coaching. But for now, I'll leave you to it. I'll, uh, I'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Relaxed Running Podcast. If you're ready to become a faster, more efficient runner, visit www.relaxedrunning.com 